Let the church say amen. God is so good. I'm pumped up. I don't know if you can tell or not. So I love seeing new people come to Christ and follow him and believers baptism. And it's a, it's a big step, isn't it? Baptism. You know, it's, it's kind of foreign to our society. It's not something that's normal. We don't do this every week. Well, I hope you bathe, but we don't normally do this every week as far as believers baptism. <laughs> Quiet down back there. But the, the whole... <laughs> It was not that funny, but okay. But, uh, you know, when we think about it, church, here's what I want you to understand, is that, that when we come to Christ and we are obedient to his faith, the only thing I can explain is that the Holy Spirit works in the life of a person, that they would come to that point to hear the message and then to follow in baptism. And you all know as believers in Jesus Christ that if it were not for the Holy Spirit in our lives, we couldn't do anything for God. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's exactly what it is all about today. And so I'm super excited to be talking about Acts chapter 2 again this week. And we're going to be going into another passage of scripture out of Acts 2. So if you're turning in your scriptures, Acts chapter 2 is where we're at. And we're going to be talking about special ops. Now I know there's probably some people out there that play video games, right? And special ops may mean something different to you, but as believers in Jesus Christ... There are special operations that I believe God wants us to be a part of each and every day. And all of it is powered by a loving God through his son who died upon the cross for us and then powered by the work of the Holy Spirit daily. The Holy Spirit's not just for certain times of year. It's not just for camp or VBS or even Sunday mornings. The Holy Spirit is what powers us throughout our entire week, throughout our entire lives. And in Acts chapter 2, we're going to see this work of the Holy Spirit in a man's life who wasn't theologically trained. He didn't go to Southwestern or Midwestern or New Orleans theological. He was a man who was just called by Jesus to go and to advance the gospel. And when we see this, this message of Peter today, all he's going off of is Matthew 28. Understand that. All he's going off of is the fact that Jesus said, go into the world and preach the gospel to make disciples and to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So Acts chapter 2 is where we're going to be out of this morning. And I, I, As we're reading through this, I would ask um, that you just hear with your hearts. Hear with your hearts the goodness of this word. It's, it's not just a, a story, but this is a definition as to what the Holy Spirit does in the believer's life. I don't know you guys, but I want more of the Spirit within me. I want, to, I want to see God glorified more in McLeod, Oklahoma, and within this church, within my family. Wherever I go, I want to see God glorified. In Acts chapter 2, starting with verse 14, uh, Peter is standing up here and he's preaching to a group of unbelievers. Verse 14, but Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. And give ear to my words, for these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. 
and I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Would you pray with me, Lord? I love this, Father, this, this passage of Scripture, Lord. It's, a, it, it's, it's what you do in us. You take the unqualified. You take those who, who are sinners, who are depraved in mind, and you regenerate us, and by your Holy Spirit, you allow us to go and to do great things for your glory. Father, today, I don't, I don't hope to attain any notoriety for myself or for this church. But Lord, I endeavor to make you famous, to make you known, to make you the king of the lives of all those that we speak to, those that we live with, those that we work with, those that we go to church with, God. Would you speak to our hearts today? And we ask this in your most holy name. Amen. I'm not going to read the entirety here just because of the sake today, but his, his entire sermon basically speaks to the fact that, hey, listen up, I've got a new bit of information for you. I have some good news. As a pastor, I love my job because I don't give bad news to people. I know we live in a society where they think that, well, Christianity is all about putting people down. Christianity is all about looking down on people, about being bigoted. We live in a nation that we are so divided right now. That if someone says, we breathe oxygen, somebody else is going to come and say, well, I don't believe that. That offends me. We don't breathe oxygen. We live in that kind of society, do we not? People are so offended by everything. And the truth of the matter is, is that the good news unites us. The good news brings us together. The good news redeems us. It's a good news. And Peter, in all of his rambunctiousness. Remember Peter, who he was in the, the Gospels, right? He liked to chop people's ears off. and <laughs> He must have been a deacon or something. I'm not sure. But, but you know, he, he <laughs> I'm joking. But he, he was this guy that had some issues, right? He was a fisherman. I'm sure he had a potty mouth. I spent some time in, in my youth, uh, went to a, a place, a faraway distant land called Florida. I don't know if you guys ever heard of it before, but I went to this place called Daytona Beach, Ormond Beach. I was there for like a week of my life. And in the evenings, I would go hang out in these like restaurants and stuff where these, these fishermen were hanging out. And they have a different vocabulary. Very different. I remember they would just be going off, going off, and they'd say, well, what do you do for a living? Like, well... I'm a youth minister, <laughs> you know, it was like at the time, I saw, that's what I was doing, and they were, they were like, oh, I was like, well, don't clean up for me, Jesus is everywhere, and they're like, well, you're right, you know, but Peter was that kind of guy, he had a lot of issues going for him, but I think the, the, the point of Acts 2, again, it's not tongues, the point of Acts 2 is not like all these, these things that we often think Acts 2 is about. Acts 2 is about a bunch of people who were technically not qualified to preach the gospel, who God loved and made qualified. He empowered them through the work of the Holy Spirit. And in this story, you see where Peter, he's talking to these people and he's addressing them. Verse 22, men of Israel, hear these words. Hear these words. I wonder, when was the last time you and I went out into our community and said, hey, y'all, listen to these words? I know a lot of churches, we just don't want to offend people. 
We live in this society where it's like, well, if that works for you, if that's your truth. Brothers and sisters, I want you to know today there's only one truth, and that's Jesus. One truth, one way, one life. That's it. It's not me being a bigot. That's me preaching the truth, the good news. And Peter didn't know what else to say. He's like, guys, just listen up. This Jesus that that sinful man killed, I'm kind of just paraphrasing here, that, that Jesus that sinful man killed, God raised him up again. God raised him up. Most of us here, we would agree to that, wouldn't we? That, that God raised him up. But when you're looking here, I think there's three points that I see how the Holy Spirit works in us. Some of you may be saying, well, how does the Holy Spirit work, Daniel? How, how is it that I can experience the work of the Holy Spirit in me? And the first thing I would say this morning is that we experience the Holy Spirit through the gospel. Everybody say the gospel. I know some of you are like, Daniel, that's all you preach about is the gospel. I got to be honest with you. It's all I have. It's that good news of the gospel. And, and we see that the Holy Spirit works through the gospel. I, I saw it in my brother and sister at Falls Creek, how God works in their lives. And I also saw how the devil tried to get in the way at times, right? But at the same time, the gospel was so powerful that, you know, I already see healing in those situations. There's already healing there. God is already doing the work of redemption in those situations. And it doesn't matter like what our backgrounds are. The Holy Spirit speaks to us and the gospel is relevant to you and I today. If you've had a rough background God still wants to redeem you. If you've had an easy life, God wants to redeem you because the truth of the matter is that we all need redeemed. And the gospel is where we see the Holy Spirit work. And I said it earlier, but it's kind of strange off the top. Now, some of y'all have been in church your whole life, kind of like me. Don't get offended by what I'm about to say, okay? But this is kind of strange, isn't it? Hey, I want you to show up to this building and some guy that you barely know is going to hold you underwater and lift you up. And then everybody's going to clap. You know, it's not like this is a dunking booth at, you know, some fair or something like that. It's different. But we do this not because it's socially acceptable. We do it because Jesus commanded us to. And it's the same thing with salvation. The reason that we come to Christ and we are obedient to Christ is because Jesus says, do this. It's the same reason we take of the Lord's table. We do this in remembrance of what Christ did for us. And in the gospel is this truth that you and I need him. Let everybody say amen to that. Knowing the love of Christ in the gospel and being filled with the fullness of God, it's synonymous. You know, earlier I said that some people think, well, chapter two and really the book of Acts is all, it's all this charismatic movement or something. It's not what it's about at all. This is about Jesus saying, go out into the world and tell people the good news that you have in your hearts. Go out and share it. I've seen a lot of good men and women of God who, who, who go through the book of Acts and they, they, they go about it the wrong way. And really what we see, the book of Acts is all about evangelism. It's about discipleship. We're going to talk a little bit about discipleship next week. If you're, if you're reading ahead uh, this week, verses 42 on, we're going to hit next Sunday morning. But here we see that the gospel is what brings us together. And the Holy Spirit comes, but also the fullness of God they're synonymous. Your, your salvation is the same thing as the Holy Spirit coming into your life. We couldn't be saved without the Holy Spirit. In fact, I believe this with my whole heart that when I preach, my, my voice, the words I choose, it can, it can matter, right? 
But what really matters is that the Holy Spirit is working these aisles this morning. Because the Holy Spirit speaks to the heart where I cannot. The Holy Spirit speaks to us in ways that, that I cannot. And knowing the love of Christ, being saved, it's the same as knowing the fullness of God. And so today, if you're desiring to have the fullness of God, that's a good desire to have. And I believe God's calling us to have a deep desire to know him, to follow him. In the Gospels where we see the Holy Spirit at work, J.D. Greer, when he was uh, speaking in a sermon I was listening to a few weeks ago, he talks about a father swooping up his son and holding his son tight and hugging him and saying, you are my son and I love you. That's a beautiful picture, isn't it? I've got, I've got two sons, I've got a daughter and I've always tried to be the guy that, that loved my kids and let them know it. My, my father was the same way. You know, he, he, always, he always told me, hey, I love you, son. I mean, he didn't hold back from that. I remember that, and I, I try to emanate that with my own parenting style. But guys, here's the thing. God has done the same for you and I today. He's held us up, and he's, he's, he's loved us. He says, you're mine. J.D. Greer talks about that moment. He says, in that moment, the boy has become no more his father's son, legally speaking, than he was the moment before the hug. But being caught up in his father's arms, he feels his sonship more intimately. When God's spirit fills us, he sheds abroad God's love in our hearts, making our spirit rise up to say, Abba, Father. We are saved when we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, amen? I'm not missing anything here. The Holy Spirit draws us to that point to where where we confess Jesus as our Savior and our Lord. And and I know as a Christian, I've been a Christian for a long, long time now, it seems like. I've been in church my whole life. I've I've had my my valleys and I've had my, my valleys. I've had my mountains and I've had my valleys, right? I mean, I've had that in my life. But all along the way, God has been my constant. And I believe what the church needs to do to do today. I believe we're saved. I believe that many of us are, are really like where we need to be, but we need to desire that God's spirit work through us more. That God's spirit be something that, that comes into us. And church, why don't you understand the gospel is all about the spirit speaking to hearts. When we go to Turkey later this year, we're going to a totally different culture. I was reading this week, that's actually where uh, Euros or Gyros, that's where they come from was Turkey, Right? It's a good place to go, in my opinion. But it's a totally different culture, and it's, that culture has changed over time. At one time, Turkey was a, a very Christian nation. I mean, actually, the first place where people were called Christians was in Turkey, a little town called Antioch. You guys remember that? But if you go to, if you go to Turkey, if you go to Antioch today, it's, it's uh, you know, less than 3% of the population are Christian. The rest are, are Muslims. And we're not going over there on a hate mission. I'm not going over there just to, you know, to, to hate on people. I'm going over there to preach a good news. Why? Because in the good news, the Holy Spirit works. And it's the same here in McLeod, Oklahoma. You may say, well, that, my neighbor down the street, my family, my, my friends, you know, they, they know about Jesus. They've been burned by the church. They, they don't want to go set through a service. They don't want to commit to a church. The, 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 the picture of the church in America has got a negative rap. Here's what I want you to understand. Keep preaching the gospel to them because it's not going to be a, a social change of mind in which they become saved. It's not going to be the perfect church or the perfect pastor 
or a drum set on stage or not on stage. What's going to bring people to Jesus is the Holy Spirit of God. That's it. And so you and I, we need to be praying for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in such a way that when we leave this place, we're not just identified as Christians, but we're identified as sons of God, as daughters of God. We live in such a way that we're like, you know what? God does wrap his arms around us. During that passage of scripture, we read where Jesus, he says, was killed by lawless men. But God raised him up. And guys, I want to tell you something today. It takes a work of a holy and good God for all of this to make sense to depraved people. None of this makes sense to a depraved person. And I want to encourage you believers that when you preach the gospel, when you live a life in front of them of a believer and they ridicule you, don't get mad. But get sad because they don't understand. The message you're preaching to them is foreign. It doesn't make sense. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. That in preaching the gospel and living the gospel, that we are able to, as believers in Jesus, see people changed. Romans 5.8 says, but God shows his love for us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. You guys have all heard that verse before, I'm sure. But everybody say us. You hear what I'm saying? It wasn't Christ died for those sinners down the street. He did. But he died for us, which means we're all in the same boat, which means we all need Jesus. All of us. And while we were sinners, while we were far apart from him, Christ died for us. Understand, Christ didn't die after you were born. He, he died before, right? He, he died 2,000 some odd years ago for your sins that you committed in 1994, 1997, 2003, 2022. Jesus died for those sins. And the power of the Holy Spirit is seen in the message, in the proclaiming of the gospel. That's where it's at. We can say we're Baptists all day. Some people will be like, I want to go to that church because I'm Baptist, right? We get real. I mean, again, we're a, we're a nation that's divided. So you either, you know, you're non-denominational, you're Baptist, you're Methodist, you know, whatever. We, we say, and people go to churches because of the name on the door. When honestly, we ought to go to churches because of the Holy Spirit. That It shouldn't matter where we go to church. And if Jesus is proclaimed, then that's where we need to be. My goal as a pastor is not to just fill this place. I want it filled. <laughs> Believe me, it's not my goal, though. My goal is that there's a group of believers here in McLeod, Oklahoma, who can go out and proclaim the gospel wherever they go. That's the goal. I think numbers happen. Um, Next week, we'll talk about how their their numbers multiplied. And it wasn't because of a social program. It wasn't because they were uh, woke. (laughs) I hate that word. It wasn't because of anything like that. The reason that their numbers grew is because they proclaimed the gospel, and in the gospel is the power of the Holy Spirit. The second thing I would say about when we experience and how we experience the Holy Spirit is that we experience it through the Word of God. Everybody say the Word of God. Okay? I am a believer in Jesus Christ. You can call me a bigot about this, and that's fine. But I believe that every single word here is God-inspired, that we need every bit of it. It's kind of like, you know, we can't just live on chocolate milk. My three-year-old thinks you can, okay? You can't. He's done pretty good so far, but, you know, he can do better. You can't just live on chicken nuggets or mac and cheese. I'm going to make some people mad this morning, right? Offended. 
offended, right? Uh, all these things, you know, we, 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 we have to have a full diet, you know? We have, to have, we have to have it all. And as Christians, we need every bit of this. Is Leviticus, is it something we need in our lives? Yeah, it is. So it teaches us of a God of order. It teaches us of a God who, who has a plan. It teaches us that we need to be obedient to God. Whether it makes sense to us or not, we follow him. The gospels, of course, they're, they're, they're definitely something we need to be into. But the Spirit's primary vehicle for moving and speaking in our lives is in scriptures. I have a lot of people, they just, man, they want to seek God. They want to hear a verbal voice. Does God speak in a verbal voice? Sometimes. Does God speak through visions? Sometimes. But what we do know, and this is what I, I say we need to be doing, is that he speaks all the time through his word. Every single time. You open up the Bible, you're always going to get something out of it. I literally could turn around, preach this passage of scripture, and it'd be something totally different. That's the, that's the power of the word of God. And, and it's because the spirit works in us to shape us into the kind of people that God wants us to be. Man, when, when Christ comes back, I don't want to be like scared about what his opinion is of me. You know? I don't want him to say, Daniel, I wish he would have done a better job at McLeod, or I wish he'd done a better job at Porum. Like, my, my, whole, my whole goal in my life is just to bring honor to God. Are we going to be perfect? Absolutely not. But what we can be are people who have a desire to see God lifted up. And we know from Scripture that if we pray, believers in the church, I'm probably preaching to a choir this morning, right? You guys are here every Sunday. You've been in this church for a long while. You've been a believer for a long while. But the Bible teaches us that if we pray and lift Jesus up, that people will come to him. That's a power that only comes through the Holy Spirit. Wednesday night, we, we always had prayer meeting, right? <clears throat> Nothing. I'm not, I don't want to knock a prayer meeting, but you always have like your, your same 10, 12, 15 people that are here every week. But Wednesday night, we had, it was different. When I stepped in this place, it was different. And we prayed for everybody on the list, and that's, I think that's good. We need to do that. It's nothing wrong with praying for people that are sick or, you know, Aunt Bessie's toe or whatever. There's nothing wrong with praying for these things. But, but we stepped aside in, in that time that we had together, and we prayed for things that God had placed on our hearts. And it got really deep, <laughs> I have to admit, that we were praying for a revival in our, in our land, in our town. We were praying that people would... would Come to Christ. We were praying that God would use us. And around all of that, right in the middle of it, was the word of God. We didn't do it because it was some, you know, uh, pastor's conference that I may have went to or anything. The reason that we came together is because the word of God is what we need. It's what we feed off of. Almost every time that we see the phrase, the will of God in the Bible, it refers to shaping our moral character in response to the gospel. The Holy Spirit speaks through his word to shape us into what we need to be. And to do that, we have to be obedient like my brother and sister were today. We have to say, you know what, Lord? This is kind of strange. You know? And honestly, y'all may have been like, okay, I've never been baptized before, so I don't really know what's happening here. Me asked me, is the water cold? I'm like, not really. It's okay. Brother George does a great job giving us like perfect temperature water, right? Not too hot, not too, not too cold. But the thing about it is, is that it's the word of God that speaks to us, that, that the Lord will call us to places. I mean, it really, it makes no sense that I would travel to, to Turkey. And to be quite honest with you, it makes no sense that I would move to McLeod, Oklahoma when I did. 
Nothing against McLeod or this church, but I mean, there's so many like things that could happen, right? I could have showed up and you guys were like, nope, this is the wrong guy. Some of you are like, well, the jury's still out on that one. But, but you know, I, I could have showed up and like everything went wrong, right? But it's the word of God that directs us and guides us. The spirit, it says it, 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 that in scripture that he conforms us to Christ's character in Romans 8. Romans 12, it speaks about how the Spirit does that. He conforms us. And what we as a church need to do today is to be less conformed to the, the world or our traditions and to be more conformed to who Christ is. And that only happens through the Spirit, through his word. That's the only way that it happens. Hebrews 4 tells us that for the word of God is living and active. I love this, Brother Clayton. For the living word of God, it's not dead. I'm not up here preaching from a history book. I remember in college, like, they would have us, like, you know, teach a section of, of, the, of the textbook. I took a lot of, like, psych classes, and so I'd have to teach. We, we got real in-depth with some, like, a psychological, like, um, psychoanalysis stuff. And so they'd want you to talk about it, right? They'd want you to teach on what, you know, Freud said or, or Jung said or whoever. And so I would take these words, and I would go through here, and it was like, if I ever taught that, that lesson again, it would be the exact same lesson, but the word of God's living. Every time I go to it, it's something new. It's new mercies every morning. Think about your newspaper. Anybody still read the newspaper? I'm not sure, but I can remember when the newspaper was like a thing, you know? But the newspaper's outdated pretty much before it gets to your house, you know? Even our big news corporations, CNN, Fox News, whoever, they have to go back and change stuff as the newscast goes along sometimes because news changes. It's, it's, not, it's not the same. And, and really, once they say something, it's just, it's outdated already. But the word of God is, is always fresh. How many of us need a freshness in our life today? We need, we need something that'll get us through life. The word of God is a living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, of discerning, the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Here's the thing. We are people and we are sinners. We are people and we're not perfect. We are people and we need a savior. And the word of God helps us to see through the cloudiness. It helps us to see because there's things that seem right to us, but it's not. But the word of God shows us what we need to know, what we need to seek after. The, the word of God is, it's not just something that's good for our soul, which it is, but it's also good, it, it separates joints and marrow. In other words, it's good for your body. It's good for how you live your life. I mean, if you go out here and, and, you, and you live a life where, you know, you're, rump, you're rough and tumble, you know, you're doing drugs, you're, you're cheating on your spouse, you're going out here and you're, you're doing all these kinds of things, it's going to have an effect on your body because that's what sin does. But here's the cool thing. The word of God leads us to a point where we can say, you know what, God, I want to live for you. I want to, I want to not have my day surrounded by sin, but I want to have it surrounded by knowing who you are and bringing you glory. And so we experience the Holy Spirit through the gospel which is why I preach about the gospel. We experience it through the word of God, which is why I preach the word of God. And as a church, this needs to be our, our focal point. This last point I would say this morning, I love this point because this is kind of where it gets exciting. If you guys like seeing God work, this is where, it, this is where it's at. If we're a people who 
preach the gospel, that we get into the word of God. Next, we're going to see God work. Honestly speaking, how many of us in here would like to see God work in miraculous ways in the next 12 months? Raise your hand, right? I'm not, this is not snake oil charming or anything like that, okay? I'm not up here preaching some kind of, well, if you send me $10, I'll send you a prayer hanky, okay? This is not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is if you come before God and you say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus my life on telling other people about you. I'm going to focus my day on your words and not the words of the world, the opinions of the world. God, I want to see you work. And so we experience the Holy Spirit, not just through the gospel, not just through the word of God, but here's the thing, it works. And so we experience the Holy Spirit through our present circumstances, through whatever we're going through in life. How many of us in here have had a rough week, right? Okay, I got some, I got some real, you can tell how rough it is by like how far their hands went up. <laughs> My brother over here almost touched the ceiling and he's sitting down. We have those weeks, don't we? You ever lost someone close to you? You ever had someone leave you? You ever had to pay a bill you didn't think you had to pay? You ever had a flat tire? You ever had to listen to Daniel preach for 58 minutes? <laughs> Don't answer that, please. <laughs> Sometimes your laughter really offends me. I just have to admit, right? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Honestly, uh, towards the end of, of Acts there, that passage we just read, it, it says that uh, Peter spoke, right? And in verse 40, it says, and with many other words, he bore witness. <laughs> so he was a long-winded preacher too, just to let you know. But God shows us his Holy Spirit. We experience the Holy Spirit through the present circumstances. And we should view our present circumstances, whether they're challenging or whether they're really easy right now, we should view them as fields of harvest. In the darkest of times, the work of the Holy Spirit illuminates the scene. I, I have a, a flashlight here, and I haven't put a battery in it yet, my brother. My, Jesse brought, bought this for me. And um, if I was to turn out all the lights in this room, cover the windows up, and I put a battery in here and turn the light on, it would illuminate this room. This is a fancy LED light. Um, I'm taking the family this week uh, to Corpus Christi. I'm planning on looking for crabs with this light here, okay? But I don't know why people do that. We go look for crabs. Ooh. But anyways, I guess we feel like we're on the deadliest catch, but the land version. But if I was to turn this light on in a dark room, it illuminates it. Where we once were seeing nothing, now we see things. Now things become evident. I see a lot of times in our day and age, even in churches, we, we don't know what's next. One thing we talked about the other day, how do we reach, you know, 18 to 20, you know, 18 to 35 year olds? Or how do we reach, you know, our older populations? How, how do we reach our youth? How do we reach our kids? These are things that came up in our conversation that night. We shine the lights. We preach the gospel. We ready ourselves by the word of God and we're going to see things happen. It's not a magic formula. It's not because Daniel's here or because you're here. It's because the Holy Spirit is here working. That's why. And so we should view our present circumstances as an opportunity to see God do big things. I don't see my brother and sister coming up here and getting baptized today. It's like, well, they did what every good American does is they come to church and they get baptized. That way they can say, well, I was baptized at, you know, First Baptist McLeod. You're, you're baptized because now you're, you're, you're saying, God, I want you to work in my life. 
God, I want you to, to do things. That's, for me, I, I'm encouraged, and I, and I say this all the time, that the most powerful sermon you'll ever hear is from the waters of baptism. Because in the waters of baptism, you see someone who says, just as I am, God, take me, use me. So when we look around us, by the power of the Holy Spirit, empty pews mean seeing God fill them. <laughs> I'm pumped because, you know, when I came to this church, I didn't want everything to be hunky-dory and perfect, and I just kind of come up here and fill a spot every Sunday. I want to see God do some big stuff. And so empty pews for me doesn't make me sad. People often come up to the pastor and they say, well, there weren't very many people there today. Like, I have anything to do with that, by the way. I always want to turn to those people and say, yeah, there's not very many people. Are there missionary? Are there evangelists, Right? But empty pews in our life, it can mean us being able to see God fill them. If cranky people are something that you experience on a daily basis, it's our opportunity to see God fill them with joy. Seemingly hopeless sinners, people who are lost and depraved in their mind, we can see them as future saints of our Lord and Savior. A society that's falling apart at the seams, it can actually mean that God's going to restore it. A lot of people are really down on America right now. A lot of people are really down on Southern Baptists right now. And as a believer, I can't take that road. I can't look at America and say, well, we're hopeless. You know, the Bible speaks about a lot of things when we get into the book of Revelation, but it never mentions America by name. And I'll argue that with anybody in the world. There's people trying to say, well, you know, the, America's the eagle or America's this. or America. It doesn't make any sense. It's not even what Revelation is about. But what I do know is that in the last times, things are going to get worse. They will. It doesn't mean America has to be a burning dumpster. I mean, actually, America could be this bright and shining light in the world before Jesus comes back. I would rather McLeod be like the, 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 the middle of the LED light. You know, I'd like us to be that. The, the very core of the fire. I think that's what I, I would want us to be. Because even if Jesus comes back, it doesn't mean that where we are, has to completely fall apart. Because the thing is, is that Jesus is king, is he not? He's the great restorer. He's the great healer. He's, he's that honey in, in, out of the rock, you know? I mean, it's, it's unexpected, but there it is. If I was walking through the desert, and I've hiked in the desert a whole lot in my time when I was on the mission field, we'd go hiking through the desert. Jesse, if I saw honey coming out of a rock, I'd probably tasted it. But if I saw honey coming out of a rock, I'd be like, how is, how, this is not possible. My dad and I, we would go to this place, and um, it, was a, it was a natural spring that came out of the sand. This was this really clear water. And we'd go there and get our water for our coffee, you know, because this is like, oh, this is like, we made the best coffee. This water was so sweet. It didn't make sense that it was coming out of the ground to me in some ways. I mean, I know the dynamic. I, I understand. I, I went to college. Okay, I understand how that works. Pressures and water and all this. Osmosis. But this water would come up out of the ground, right? And it was, we would get milk jugs of it and take it home. One time when I was in the jungle, we, we were, this is no joke, we had been walking for one day and we had no water. And the jungle's a wet place, but some of that water you do not want to drink. <laughs> you won't leave. You will not leave that place in a very healthy way. We're walking through the jungle and our, our guide, Marlone, he's a pastor down there. He walks up with his machete. Everybody carries a machete down there. That's either really cool or really unsettling. But he has this big machete and he walks up to a, a big vine, and he just goes whack and brings us over pieces of that vine, and we drink fresh water out of that vine. 
It didn't make sense to me. I'm like, I would have never thought, well, I'm going to go chop this root in half and drink water out of it. But God is that one who can restore. Here's, here's my thing. Let's not look at America as a lost cause. I don't care who's in office. We have a lot of people want to, you know, we want to align with left or right or whatever. We just need to align with Jesus because that's what really matters. America's not totally lost if Jesus is on the throne. Last time I checked. Our church is not totally lost as far as growing. We may say, well, our, our good days were in the, ba- in the past. No, our good days are ahead of us. That's right. The thing is that we need to understand today is that God wants to work in our lives through his Holy Spirit. And so we experience it through the gospel. We experience it through the word of God. But guys, here's the thing. We experience it through our present circumstances. We may see the bad, but God sees the good. We may see the hopeless, but God is the hope. We may see nothing but death, but he's the life. We may be lost, but he's the way. And every single day we can see God's spirit work in our lives. I believe God's doing something in our midst. And I'm not just saying that because that's what preachers say. Because preachers always say, oh, God's moving. God's always moving, right? I walked in this morning. The worship team's going amazingly, right? I'm just like, man, y'all are just rocking out. I had to stop back there for a moment and just praise too. Because our God is worthy of that. It's not just about ourselves. But it's about knowing a good and gracious God who says, you know what? I want to empower you through the Holy Spirit. Preach the gospel. Everybody say, preach. Preach Preach it. Don't hold back. Go tell someone about Jesus today. The Word of God. We need to be reading the Word of God. Don't just say you believe the Word of God, but actually read it. People need to hear it. That's right. And guys, our present circumstances, I know it may seem bad sometimes. I pay for gas bill too. I see, I see exactly how much our groceries are costing. You know, I, I've, seen, I've seen the change in our society in the last couple of years, but here's what I want you to understand. It's not hopeless. We are full of hope because of our God. In closing Galatians chapter five, it says, but I say, Paul's writing to the church in Galatia, which we get to go to Galatia too. But, but God says to the church in Galatia, he says, but I say this, walk by the spirits. He doesn't say walk as a Baptist or an American. He says walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Man, if we want to bring glory to God, we have to come to him and what? Spirit and truth. The Holy Spirit is there to guide us, to lead us, to take us down the road that we need to go down. I don't worry about next Sunday whether there'll be anybody here or not. I know there's pastor stuff we have to do. We say, well... You know, maybe there's going to be more. I believe that. But the thing is, is that, you know, gimmicks are not going to save people. I can put coffee out in the foyer. We can give everybody a free t-shirt and a pat on the back every Sunday. Donuts are effective. That stuff works, right? Gets people here. But what I'm praying for today is this. I'm praying that the Holy Spirit of God draws people here. We can do all those things to get people here to hear the message, but man, I'm, I'm desiring bigger things. I want to see people come to church that, you know what, they walk in the door and everybody's like, oh, I can't believe they're here. I want to see God change that person's life. That's right. I, I want to see God change your pastor's life who, yep, man, I've been a pastor my whole life, it seems like. I really have had that mom. It's like I've been in ministry my whole life. But, but I want to be a person who God is continually changing through his Holy Spirit.
not because of demands of our church or denomination or our society. I, I desire that the Holy Spirit would be more glorified. Why? Because we walk by the Spirit. We don't walk by sights. We walk by the Holy Spirit of God. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, I love you, and I thank you for your words. Father, it's, it's not about me. It's not about anyone that walks this earth. But Lord, it's about your message. Today, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. We're empowered by you, Lord. And I ask today that we would be mindful of that, that Lord, that we, would, that, that we would become people who are just adamant about telling people about the good news that we have, that we'll be adamant about the word of God, and Lord, that we'll look at every situation that comes our way, and we'll just say, God, thank you for this situation. We're going to see you glorified in it. Father, would you draw people to you today? Thank you for those who have followed you in believer's baptism this morning. Father, I pray that You'll strengthen them in spirit. But Lord, I pray also as a church that we will surround them and disciple them and love them. Lord, they will always know that there's a, there's a, there's a, peop, there's a people, a group of people here who love them and are in the same, same boats. Lord, we know that you're so good. God, if there be anyone here who does not know you, I pray that you would call them by your spirit. That Father, it would go beyond emotions or, or anything like that. Lord, you would call them to true repentance that you may be glorified in your most holy name. Amen.